Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. Happy New Year to you guys. It is HopeNet Radio. It's a show where conversations save lives. And this is episode 112. I am your host, Jeff and Dave DW. Man, are you still working on that wall over there? I'm still reframing things, man, because it's not right yet. We've got to get it just right. There's a way that uh, the architect and the engineer say it needs to be, so we're going to get there. Jason's with us on the show. Man, it's always good to hang out with you, Jason. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's always fun to hang out with you guys. It's a new year, which is always fun. It's exciting, and uh, I think... Uh, how, how do you party in the new year there? How do you, how do, you do it? Ah... Uh, I, 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 I go to sleep early. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> so what do you do? I don't do a whole lot. Yeah, okay. So just stay up, happy new year, and go to bed. You, you know what? When I was a kid in Chicago, I, I remember one night I'm telling my dad, I got to stay up till, you know, I got to stay up. I, I forget what age it was, eight years old or something. I said, Dad, I got to go out on the, on the porch at midnight and blow a trumpet. A trumpet? A trumpet. A, a plastic trumpet. Like, yeah, but, a, you know, we had these little plastic... <laughs> Little, they were little long pieces of plastic. Yeah, like they have a football game. Yeah, like yeah. a football game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, fine, here it is, you know. And he, he was in bed, and I waited, you know, 11.59, midnight. I walked out there, and I, I just blew this whole trumpet. And, and then I looked around and goes, that was it? I mean, that, all right. And when he went to bed, I thought, I don't know, I, I, maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> was it la- that, that, that was probably the last time you stayed up till no, It was. It was. It was like, you know, I just thought, I don't know, I'm missing something here. I, I, I thought this was really fun, but somehow I missed it. I don't know. That's funny. Oh, man. But, you know, it's it's good to be back to an even year because I felt like 2015 was such an odd year in and of itself. Yeah. I, I hate those odd years, actually. You, you know what? I got married in 1980. Really? And I am so thankful. I, I, I suggest everyone wait till a zero year to get married because you can remember your, your how many years you've been married very easily then. Yes, that is very true. Hey, Dave, what are we talking about tonight? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're reframing. I mean, we're talking about trying to understand the, the things the way they're really meant to be. I have a burning question. So go ahead, fire it. How do we reframe a peep? How do you reframe a peep? Yeah. Uh, usually you put it in the microwave. <laughs> yeah, it, it, brings it, it brings it back to its its original, original, original status, oh, which right. is a, a bunch of goo. Bu- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we can do that. But you know what? It, it's important to understand, you know, just to even talking about a peep. Of how do, what is food, actually? It used to, food used to have like, a, you had to have a value in the food and et cetera. There are foods you can eat that have no value at all. Right. And we, we label them food. And, and so half the time when we're speaking to people, whether we use the term religion, we use the term God, we use the term father, we use the term love, 
we use the term food. We have no idea what they're talking about mm. because there have been so many twists and turns to the meanings of words. Yeah. And uh, that used to drive me crazy when you had to define things because it was like, come on, don't you know what this means? Yeah. And then I realized as I got older, they don't know what this means Yeah. because their experiences are different. If I said to you, Jason, if I said, this is a good hamburger, what would that mean to you? It was tasty and delicious but, and but what what would be on a good hamburger um i know what wouldn't be on it all right what wouldn't be on a good mustard hamburger. okay oh come on i'm just saying it's that mustard yellow mustard deserves to be out with the dog okay. really now for me a good hamburger would be so thick with everything that ever was on a burger i would put on there and that would be a good hamburger now to my wife if you said do you want a hamburger and it's good it would be ketchup only there you go so, so there, there you have it. So I cannot define a good hamburger. You know what I mean? So if I'm, if I'm running a, a place and I want to give people good hamburgers, uh, do you like yours medium, medium well, rare? What? Probably medium. See, I, I like it more on the medium. Uh, I like it more on the, the, the rare side. Uh, you know, and, and so when you look at not rare, but you know, mm. you're very pinky. So it would be really hard to know what you're talking about if you said I just had a good burger. Or, or a good pizza. I mean, what's on a good pizza? Oh, now that's my neighborhood. All right, what's on it? Oh, some meat, deep dish, delicious. You know what's on it for my wife? Nothing. Cheese. 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 <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, and, and My and, wife is veggies. <laughs> yeah, and she loves cheese. She loves cheese pizza, but so it's not the big deal. So if we were going to go out and I said, oh, man, this pizza's great, and I pull it out of the box, and it's got olives and onions and all this stuff on it, she's going to look in and go, yuck. <laughs> and I just was ranting and raving about how good this pizza was. Yeah. So, see, that's what we're talking about, reframing. It's, it's not actually some things are not right and wrong. I mean... It, when I say good pizza, that's not a right and wrong concept. But it is a communicative. In other words, we communicate with each other. And and so after being married 35 years, uh, I know when she says it's a good pizza, I know what to expect. Because I know what's a good pizza to her. Mm. And and likewise, I know what's a good burger to her. I know I could order her food at a restaurant, order it just the way she likes it, because I know the definitions of good to her now. Um, and I think what happens is we need to really go back to the scriptures and go back in history, take a look at what God talks about and take a look at how he set it up so that when God speaks, we understand what he actually meant by that. So when Jesus said, if you're talking about Christianity, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Did he mean something by that? Did he mean anything by mm -hmm. that? Of course he did. So the question that you should have is, do I get to assign meaning to that, or do I look and see what he meant by that? And actually what happened, and, and we, we celebrated Christmas not too long ago, um, the Bible tells us in John 3, it's that, that, that God so loved, and, and then there's kind of a pause there, that he gave. Hmm. He gave for us. See, God's love compelled him to think about what's best for me and for you. It wasn't about himself. All right, so now we're beginning to grasp what the word love might mean. It, it might actually mean, and it does, that we're thinking about others and not ourselves. Now when I say go out and love somebody, what am I saying? I'm saying go out there and think about this other person in a way that's best for them and do what you need to. That Now I'm giving some definition to the actual term love. Uh, other than that, we don't know what it means, you know, a, a cuddle, cuddly feeling. Did anyone, did you guys ever have, um, when you were in high school or whatever, someone ask you if you're in love, you know? Oh, yeah. What did that mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Was that like a feeling? What was that? If you if you were in love, what was that? Yeah, it was a feeling. Yeah, I think it was a feeling. You describe the feeling to me. You just know, Dave. I mean, yeah, I, get, I get that from a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you just know butterflies. <laughs> okay, butterflies. Do you know one guy was describing it once, and I thought, no kidding. I was a defensive end at Wheaton College. That's the same feeling I had when I hit quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> same feeling. I get up, I had these butterflies in my stomach. It's really gooey. Feeling. Yeah, it was wonderful. Right. You know, it's like that's the feeling, and I thought that's love right there. There you go. It, it, yeah, so we got really different. I'm I'm smashing a quarterback <laughs> to the ground, and and you're and you're and you're, you're in love. Little, yeah, and I'm in love, you know. And and you're doing something else, and you're like, so, so there. That's what I'm talking about. Reframing things. We get that dopamine fix in different ways, Dave. I mean, some of us like to just be around. What'd you call me? Swedish dopamine. <laughs> a dopamine. All right, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Definitions are important. As we're picking up this show from last week, if you missed last week's episode, go back and download it, subscribe to the podcast, because it was such a great introduction to this week's conversation. And one thing that I just, I like, I geek out about is looking at society and the different generations that are kind of playing together today. I look at, we've got the boomer generation that's still around. We've got the Gen X crowd. We've got the millennials, which I'm a part of. And now we've got a new generation coming in of centennials, they call them. And so this is just, to me, it's it's very interesting how we look at the world. Some ways we look at it similarly, but in other ways we look at it a little bit differently. We respond to the different struggles, the different things in our in our world, and we look at them quite differently. Some of it is because of how we were raised. Some of it is based on the educational system. Some of it is based on our own, you know, experience and, and kind of what we've been taught and modeled in our past. So we're looking at this world sometimes from three or four different ways. And I think it's important. Maybe we have some different definitions for something. And tonight we're going to talk about, we're going to continue on our conversation about reframing myself. And also what that feeds into is reframing religion. And we want to kind of take a look in some ways a top-level approach and talk about some of the distinct ideas and, and different views that religious views have. We're not going to go in-depth on any of those necessarily, but we will include some links there in our show notes if you want to go and check it out at HopeNet360.com. This conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Hey, I'm Tiger McLuhan from Youth Leadership. Recharge is coming to Green Bay this February. We know a lot of adults, parents, a lot of youth ministries that are filled with caring people who love children and love kids, but haven't really had the opportunity to be equipped, given practical ideas on how to do that desire more effectively. Every children's ministry worker, every youth worker hopes that their ministry makes a difference in their small group works and confirmation impacts those kids, but hope is not a strategy. To learn more about Recharge, visit ministryrecharge.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Chat with a live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Jeff, DW, Jason, and we've got Tara Kay in for a special interview tonight. We're going to talk about an event that you've got coming up. We're in the new year. January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, it's kind of uh, ironic. It was actually declared Human Trafficking Awareness Month back in 2009. Um, Congress declared it National Human Trafficking uh, Awareness and Slavery Prevention Month. Mm-hmm. And January 11th is Human Trafficking Awareness Day. 
But it's interesting because it culminates February 1st is National Freedom Day, but there are actually more people enslaved in the world today than in any other time in history. It's just what we would refer to as modern day slavery. Mm -hmm. So known as human trafficking, which includes sex trafficking or labor trafficking. So this event, you've been a part of it for years. We've had you on the show. We talked about it, you know, last year and, and we've been, we've seen news stories. We've seen a lot of things in the news, just even in our own backyard. There's a lot of things going on to help prevent this from ever happening in our area. But then also there's a big concerted effort to help these young women to get back into real life and to establish a new identity. Because as we're talking about on this show, we're talking about our identity and how our identity is formed. And that's a critical thing when you talk about the issue of human trafficking and slavery. I mean, these are real people, real identities and to not know who you are and then to have somebody else say, this is who you are. Come in and live this way and do these things. And then you'll have significance. Then you'll have security. I mean, man, you think of a society, a generation that's right now very confused, very lost. And people like to take advantage of that. And that that's a hard thing to see. That's a hard thing for me as someone who I, I love young people. I love to see them succeed in life. And to see somebody else try to take advantage of them, man, that's that frustrates me. It makes me very angry. Yeah, and the challenge for us in, in doing really in doing awareness is is really about prevention. I mean, we we also help women that are coming out of it, but at that point, we have to now reframe the identity that their trafficker has given them because one of the things usually a person who is considered vulnerable is somebody who is struggle, struggling, a young person. The average age of entry into prostitution is 12 to 14 years old. Wow. So we're trying to target education and prevention in schools because that's where pimps and traffickers are recruiting because they know that there are a lot of people at that age that are struggling to find identity. And if they're struggling and they don't know then where their identity comes from, then it's easy for them to come in and say, well, this is who you are now. And, and many times they are missing a family member's sometimes a father and the pimp will come in and say, well, I'll be your daddy now. And, and you're my wifey. And this is, this is what we're going to do now. And now this is your identity. They'll be given a new name hmm. and it's called, it's all part of incorporating into what's known as the game or the life. And usually once recruited as he pretends to be a boyfriend or somebody who's loving and caring of this young girl, and then all of a sudden starts wanting things back and saying, you need to pay me back for this, or I provided you a place to live. I provided you all these things. Now you need to pay me back. And gives you know her a new name and says, you're a part of this game now, and, and you need to go make money for me, and you need to go out and, and be a prostitute and make this money for me. And this is who you are now. Nobody else is ever going to want you. A lot of times there's force and brutality used mm. because any he doesn't want any chance for her to think, and sometimes traffickers are women too, so he or she doesn't want them to get a hold of what their true identity is. He just wants to keep them in this you know, I control you. This is who you are now. Nobody else will ever love you. You can never be anything else but this. And mm -hmm. so for us, as I'm working with um, the outreach director with Damascus Road, and um, what we do a lot of times is we try to do prevention education by going into schools, teaching students about this, but also about helping each other out. Where do you find your identity and your value from? But also we help women who have are coming out of it, help them to reframe, to find out, what their true identity is and to, and to convince them that they've been lied to all this time by him is very difficult. Yeah. You start to deal with things like Stockholm syndrome and they start to mentally bond and they've been manipulated. Then now you have to go back and reframe that whole thing and, and show them, no, this is where your true identity comes from and God is where your true identity comes from. So what kind of things are happening in Northeast Wisconsin around helping these young women get back into what real life really is? 
Well, we've been trying to get um, more schools to open up to us. We, Our director, Lisa Sunholz, has been talking in the health classes in, in Anago, and we've been trying to partner with some schools in the Fox Valley to do prevention education. We also um, partner with some survivors in the area to help women that we've encountered, someone that has gone through the process themselves of, of getting out and becoming you know, a successful person now in, in the life that they've found outside of uh, in, in freedom, in the free life they found. And another way that we do that is, this, is the rally coming up. It really helps to, you know, some people might think, well, what good does it really do standing outside? We we hold up signs that say, stop the traffic, make some noise. And January 11th is Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And, and you might think, well, what what does that really do? Who does that really help? But sometimes I think that too. And every time I've always had an encounter either at the event or after the event or somebody that came up to me and said, I saw your sign and I just saw something on the news about that. And then I just heard somebody else speak about it. So people notice it and you never know how it affects somebody. Mm-hmm. But one year I actually had a girl who contacted me and she was, she had been trafficked herself and she had just come out of that life and she came and helped us hold signs. And that's very, that was very helpful to her to be able to go and do that because it felt like she now had a purpose outside of that. And so it's just a really important day. You never know what kind of effect it could have on somebody. Usually we have some media coverage. So that helps us get the message out to the rest of Wisconsin as much as we can. If you're available that day, um, we're having the rally in Oshkosh by the, uh, at the Opera House Square. It's by the sundial on Main Street from 11 to 1 on Monday, January 11th. And then also our friend Sarah Bowes at More Precious Than Rubies in Green Bay is going to be doing the same rally. Uh, hers is called Two Hours to Raise Awareness. And they will be holding up signs from 11 to 1 on the corner of Bayard and Main in Green Bay. It's really around raising awareness that this happens. And unfortunately, it is a reality. But there's something every one of us can do. I mean, would you agree with that, Tara? Is, is this something that just any kind of person that is really concerned about the issue, could they get involved with this? Yeah, I think people often think of getting involved in maybe sometimes really radical ways. Especially guys, I know, when they find out this kind of thing happens, they want to just... Bust in them and up. rescue them, yeah. yeah, and and it really, especially the guys with, that is, I yeah. mean, the, the ones that are trafficking, yeah. yeah, especially with domestic trafficking. So trafficking that's happening in the U.S. It looks a little different. It's more kind of like the gang mentality versus international trafficking, which is more like debt bondage. Mm-hmm. So those kind of things may work a little bit better in the in that culture. But in the U.S., it's about manipulation. So a lot of the women that have been victimized, they don't self-identify as a victim. So if you say, "I'm going to rescue you," "I'm going to help rescue," they don't think, "Well, I don't really need to be rescued." Right. So. So it's really more about loving them and also really helping to provide for their basic needs. Hmm. So a lot of people ask me like, well, what could I do? And really one of the things that um, there's lots of programs available that um, we help women get into or to find, you know, help with job assistance. Cause if you think about it, you know, if you have to reframe your whole life, that means, well, what do, what do I do for a job now? And how do I create a resume? Because what am I going to put on it? You know, yeah. or what does it look like? So a lot of women have children after this experience. Well, what does that look like to be a mom and how to treat my kids? And a lot of women are really struggling even with basic needs. So for them to even go to be able to go to counseling or get any kind of help or job assistance, if they don't have their basic needs met, then it's hard. Then that's not even a reality for them. So I know a lot of um, women that I've worked with have said, we need help with babysitting for our kids to be able to go out and do, um, get the help we need. They need job assistance. 
But also I think it's important from the prevention side of it. Maybe you're in an area where you say, I don't know anybody that's been trafficked. I don't know a survivor. I don't know how to get involved. I think one of the most important things, and we talk about this on the show all the time, is just being sure that the young people that, that are in your life, that you're helping to guide them and help them find their identity, mm-hmm. what true identity is. Because most of the time, people become susceptible to this when they don't have somebody positively influencing their life. Yeah. And so you might not ever see like, well, I don't know if this person would have ever been trafficked. But I encourage you to find people in your life, if you're a parent you know, for your children or if you're not a parent, anybody that's especially a young person in your life or maybe even it tends to be a young person or sometimes a single woman and it can be boys as well so it's not always women generally majority but it's just important to really stand up for people who are vulnerable you know maybe are are the friendless one or really need someone to pour into their life to help them if they're struggling internally with that sense of identity if somebody positive comes in and helps them find their true identity then they won't be susceptible to um, someone who's trying to exploit them. All right, January 11th, that's a week from tomorrow. That is National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. Find out details on how you can get involved in your local area at hopenet360.com slash slavery, or check out tonight's show notes. The links are there. And this conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio and Q90FM. Hey, this is Tara Kay from HopeNet Radio. Today, all around the world, more people are enslaved than in any other time in history. January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Join me and be part of Human Trafficking Awareness Day on January 11th. Together, we can put an end to slavery. Check out HopeNet360.com slash slavery. One word. HopeNet360.com slash slavery. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Special thanks to Tara Kay for joining us and telling us about what's coming up in just over a week with Human Trafficking Awareness Day. Do check out the show notes tonight at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW with you tonight. Jason in studio with us. And we're having a conversation, trying to understand myself and how I relate to this world around me. And then we're kind of chiseling out some of these things, some of the what I would call the pillars of society. And sociologists agree on a few of these different things. There are four main pillars of society and three that I would call kind of accessory, but I think they're actually very important as well. And those four different parts, the different pillars of society have to do with government, They have to do with business, they have to do with family, and they have to do with what I would say religion or with faith. Those are the four that are agreed upon. And then the other ones, education, arts, and media. So we're going to look at these and kind of reframe them because one of the things that's interesting about, I think, the millennial generation and the centennial generation share is that we're looked at as not necessarily people that want to just bust down and, and break apart society to break apart traditions and all that but we're kind of looking to chisel out okay what does it really mean to not only be an american what does it mean to be a human what does it mean in a a global society so many of us today it kind of started out a little bit with millennials we're a little bit more comfortable with traveling you know overseas and interacting with a lot of other groups of people dave maybe your generation was that way too i don't know but it seems like from some of the studies that have been done 
that this millennial generation and the upcoming centennial generation here is very interested in seeing ourselves in light of a global society, not just even an American society, even though I, I, I probably won't meet most people in even Illinois. I'm sorry to say, guys, I'm probably not going to go and meet a whole lot of people in Illinois anytime soon that I can foresee, but we're looking at ourselves in light of what I would say is a global society because of things like the internet, because of travel. We can go there and, and go to places and, and get back today. So this these generations are a little bit different in how we perceive the world. Yeah. So I think it's important to look at from, uh, you know, not necessarily a me-istic perspective, but to look at how I exist in more of a global society and then what religion, what role that plays in a society as well. So I want to talk about that, guys. Yeah. What are some of your thoughts? Well, let me ask you and Jason something here because I, I think you're, you're stepping on some real important areas here. Um, one of the things is we are a global society, but we've never been more lonely than we are right now as a culture. That's true. Yeah. How, how in the world are we global and lonely? And I mean, even in our own culture. There are people that live next door to each other in this country that don't know who lives next door to them. There are people that are in apartments that don't know the person next to them in whatever apartment it is. Is it true that we are more connected than ever and less connected? Can we have both those things going on at the same time? And what do you think the effect is? Jason, is, is, am I accurate in saying that or is that out in left field? No, I would say you're very accurate. You know, in the sense that we feel more connected is that we have information at the tips of our fingers. You know, and, and so whenever something happens, it gets out instantly. You know, whether it's an opinion, whether something says somebody, whether there's a presidential candidate that says something off the wall, you know, we find out immediately. And the other side of it is you said that we're so lonely is that then the way that we should respond is we just offer our opinion without necessarily any sort of relationship with anybody or anything. Right. So, you know, it's, so it's we so, just kind of throw more information back. Yeah. So it's, it's more like information relationship and that relationship relationship. It, I mean, people think they have a relation because of information. Yeah. I mean, I can go on, on Facebook and see what, you know, somebody's doing and feel like I'm close to them. And yet I'm lonely as I'll get out because I'm a thousand miles from them. Right. Man, that, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. And something, again, that, that we need to try and put in a frame of understanding. Because if we were created, and we were, to have relationships, if we're substituting them with something, then it's a substitute that will never deliver on what we think it should. So we have to do something about that, or we're going to be in big trouble. You know what I like doing, Jeff and Jason? I like going back and looking at things that will never change. I don't care what generation you're from. Uh, you know, go back in the, in the Bible to Adam and Eve, and what are some of the things that, that will not change, and then talk about those things, because they matter. Yeah. And, and everything else, like media, you know, Facebook, whatever, you know, that's going to change. It, it's going to come and go. It's going to be here, and some generation will be looking historically at Facebook, because it won't be around anymore. But you go back to the beginning of the Bible, where it says, in the beginning, God. Mm -hmm. Whoa, okay. What does that mean? And to start there and to start to try and redefine or relook at things or reframe things by looking at that. Because that hasn't changed in, in your generation or my generation. In the beginning, God. Yeah. yeah. And, and what does that mean? I don't know. I, I think this next generation reads a lot of things differently as well. I don't know. And I, I'd be interested to see some numbers on how many young people actually have a Bible today. I, I'm not sure if a lot of people download it. I, everywhere I go, I'm always talking about reading my Bible and reading, you know, this sort of, this text or this, you know, this story in the Bible and how, you know, it's become real to me. But I think in our own society, we've taken in, in a way religious thought. Some people 
are adherents to a specific religion, um, but other people are non-religious. They just don't have any kind of thought or any kind of experience to it. So talking to them about opening up their Bible, they're like, what? What, what are you talking yeah. about? You know, and in a way, there's kind of an infancy about just not knowing about religious, any kind of religion. It doesn't matter if it's Christianity or Buddhism or Taoism. It, it's just kind of like we exist in this world, but we have no real tangible interaction with it. I don't know. Have you guys seen that with young people today? Yeah, it's almost like it's all about the here and now, and there's no thought beyond that. You know, so it's all about the, the stuff that's happening at the moment. So whether you're, you're taking a, a snapshot of a situation or, you know, I, I remember several months ago being at a concert and, you know, usually you want to pay attention to the artist. So I'm looking around and everybody's got their phone out. So they're Snapchatting, they're taking videos, they're sending messages. I'm like, uh-huh. why don't you just pause and be and, and realize that this is happening now rather than trying to, you know, live yeah. it out so quickly. I don't know if that makes any yeah. sense, but yeah, you know, I, I, I would ask you guys a, a question. I mean, we, you use the word religion. And when I look at the Bible, what I see is that the most important thing in our lives is a relationship with God. Yeah. And, and maybe we've, quote, mm. put that in the term religion. But what if religion has been defined as something you do rather than somebody you are? Does that make a difference? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Because if, if it's something I do, can it ever be something that is truly of God? For example, what did you do, Jason? I, I know your parents. So what did you do to be in the family you're in? Nothing. Yeah. And if if relationships are based on the invitation, if you want to call it, of the parents to be a part of that. So like if you were adopted, that, that's an invitation. My whole life and the importance that I have is based on a relationship with God. And that's from the very beginning. So if I make it all about something I do, now I think I've, I've reframed it wrong and I'm going to be the rest of my life feeling inadequate. Because when will I do enough to have earned the love and the respect and the security and the significance that uh, would come uh, from parents who actually would give that to me without doing anything. It's kind of like if if you tried to be in my family and you weren't and you came and you shoveled my walk and you or you did my grass in the summer, whatever, and, and you kept trying to earn yourself a position in my family. And I would say, you can't do that. But if you didn't have parents and my wife and I adopted you, the day after you're adopted, we're in the house and I go, hey, would you go out and cut the lawn? Mm-hmm. It's like, I thought I didn't have to do that. You don't have to, but you are part of the family. So now you do that. So it's kind of interesting to see if religion is associated with doing something rather than being in relationship with someone, then I wonder if the word religion itself isn't passe and and, and causes more trouble than it's worth. I would like to hear from you guys as you're listening on the show with us. Join us on Twitter right now. Use the hashtag HNRTV. We'd love to know your thoughts on this. What role religion plays in your life? How you think or how you see the world around you as you talk with friends and family and, and this. I mean, it's a new world we live in today. There's different generations. We all have different ideas. We've all been raised with different experiences. We've experienced things in our in our own neighborhoods and our own communities that are in some ways different, but in some ways they're similar. So the important thing is that we start the conversation to talk about it, and we're going to continue this conversation in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com.
Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio, and I'd love to invite you, our listening guest, to a special weekend at the Wolf River Refuge, sponsored by Silver Birch Ranch, a time where we get together and learn how to really study the Bible. We call it Digging Deeper. It'll be held February 19th to 21st. You can find more information at wolfriverrefuge.org. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us the first show of the new year. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for joining us on the show. And on the tweet back, we are hanging out on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. And, of course, everything is found tonight at HopeNet360.com. This conversation has been what I would call loaded. It's a loaded conversation, deep conversation. And it's something that as we unpack this discussion about me understanding myself, understanding even my own beliefs, every single person has beliefs about something. And whether that is about God or it's not about God at all, whether it's about the Packers or the Bears or something completely different that I don't even know about that you can inform me about on the tweet back tonight, we all have beliefs about something, and I would call them deeply held beliefs. Can I ask you about that? Sure. Does believing in something make it true? No. Of course. <laughs> okay, two different answers. <laughs> <laughs> Explain your answer, Jeff. I, I, because I, I, as a kid, I always wanted Santa to be real, so I'd get All presents. Right. <laughs> I mean, I say that facetiously. No. I mean, because I believe something to be true doesn't necessarily make it true, but there are so many times in my life where I've believed something to be true. Because I really yeah. wanted it to happen. You know, Even in sports, Dave, I believe that my team was good enough to go to the last game of the season, which would have been down in our state championships. I think I can. I think I can. You know, so it's a reality. I I think it's possible. So belief isn't necessarily connected to truth. Not always. Because you can believe something. I mean, can you imagine this? Just just imagine for a second. One day you you die, and I don't think it's going to happen this way, but you're standing before God, and he he looks at you, and you're talking to him, and it's it's like, man, I can't find your name written in this book of life thing. And and you're going, but wait a minute, but wait a minute, my... My my great grandparents believed this, and my grandparents believed it, and my mom believed it, so I believed it. So it must be true. And God goes, well, your great grandparents were wrong. Now, we're, what are you going to do with this at this point? Because what you did is you based your whole life on a belief system, but not a truth system. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. So what I would encourage people to do is, as we're talking here is to try and, and and sort out the difference because it's really hard to sort it out. I mean, a belief system is different than a truth system. And what you want to do is get your life in line with a truth system and get your beliefs in line with it. Uh, have you ever encountered anybody or have you guys ever said something like, well, I just believe that, and and then you go on? I've encountered that. Yeah. And I always think, oh, that's really brilliant thinking. <laughs> you know, I, I just believe this, so it's going to be the way I believe. It's got to be true. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, man, that's such a sorry answer. I hear, I hear a lot for Packer fans. Yeah, yeah, I just that's believe, good. yeah. Or, or isn't, there, isn't there a Christmas movie about just believing or something? And, I don't know. And, you know, there, 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 are some, <laughs> there are some people that actually preach and teach, uh, both secular and in the religious world, just believe and it'll happen to you, you know. You can believe, you know, that the moon is made out of cheese till you're, you know, green in the face. It's not going to be made out of cheese. Belief has its limits. And the only way that belief is valid is if it's in the truth, not if it's just because you want to believe. And, and that's why we need to be able to examine what we say we believe against something. 
And and I would encourage the listeners. Um, the Bible calls it fruit, by the way, and that's kind of hard to understand, but it's not overly hard. It's it's what you see in somebody's life. In other words, if if I believe in the truth, the truth sets me free. I don't feel like a prisoner in life. I don't feel like I have to prove anything. I don't see the fruit of it is that I'm free. Yeah. If I if I love people, the fruit is joy and peace and that kind of thing. If I don't have the fruit, then I probably don't have. What, what's being talked about there. And so, honestly, in your heart, if you're not playing a game, if you're really honest, do you have the fruit of knowing God and do you have the fruit of, of living in a way that you should and that kind of thing? It helps you reframe it in the right direction. But it's very important at the beginning of this segment, anyway, that, that we identify the difference between just belief and truth. And, and the people that are listening, there are many people, I believe, that are emotionally a wreck because they've lived their life in a belief system that has not been tied to truth. And and if the belief system ever gets shattered, because they've never been overly concerned with truth. They've been concerned with a belief system and defending the belief system, but not seeking truth. And I want to encourage our yeah. listeners, man, seek truth, because it's the truth that sets you free, not the belief system. And uh, you guys need to tell me if I'm getting foggy or too deep here. A couple of things came to mind as you were talking, Dave. One of them was that, you know, truth, truth only matters if there's something that can contrast that or contradict the truth. And we would know that as to be something that is false. You know, as a kid growing up, even as a, a kid in the athletic team, my teams, not all of them were really that good. You know, when I, as I played soccer growing up, but I would have a coach or I would have parents or I would have other teammates' parents or whomever tell us that we were indeed good enough to beat this team or so-and-so. And so some of these things, you know, they were, they're kind of trivial. They don't really matter in the long run. I mean, there are some games that I won. There are some games that I lost. But does that really make my identity today? Yeah. Not really. Yeah. So there are some things that really in, in some ways, at the point, they were kind of situational. They mattered, but really in the long run, they didn't matter. Something about God and faith, and as you talked about, eventually there's an eternal aspect of my life that I need to reconcile on this side of heaven. That's the one thing that Christianity is a little bit different on. Maybe it's similar in some other ways to other religions, but there are some ways that were similar. But when you talk about eternity, there's a lot at stake there. And some people haven't even considered what really is at stake from an eternal standpoint. I would love to hear from you guys if you're thinking about these sorts of things. Man, some things do matter. Some things don't matter. Yeah. And join us on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Yeah. And again, you have to be in a position where you realize that that you want to make your belief system true. Yeah. I, I remember I was playing football in college as a freshman, and everyone in front of me got hurt, and, and I was supposed to start the next game as a defensive tackle. And I was starting against a guy who was a senior. He was going to actually get drafted the next year. His name was Caesar, and he was 100 pounds heavier than me, and he was about four inches taller than me, and I was a freshman playing against him. And I had never played in a college game before. And and I can remember the week before the coaches and everyone saying, hey, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I'm believing all this garbage. <laughs> I mean, I'm going out there with this belief system like I'm going to lay this boy out. You know, I'm, I'm going to take him on and I'm going to win this thing. I remember the very first play of the game that I went against him. You know, he picked me up and you're not supposed to do this. And he ran down the field. My legs are dangling. You know, I mean, it's like. Oh man, the, ne the next play, the, the next play, he, he just flattened me. I mean, I was under him and I, and I am going, you know what? The bigger they are, the harder they hit you. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, the, the, the bigger they are and the more experienced they are. Here I was believing. I, I mean, I honestly went into that thing believing. I'm going to take him down. I, I am going to be the guy at the end of the game that everybody surrounds and says, yay, you. And at halftime, instead, I got this from the coach. I hope you can survive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute. That's a whole lot different than the bigger they are, the harder they fall, yeah. coach. You know, I mean, I hope you can survive. What do you want me to do? Start running around the field, stay away from the guy? <laughs> you know, it's like we can't go into a contest like that and believe the truth. If I, if we would have believed the truth, I tell you what, I would if I were the coach, I would have done everything differently. I would have said there's no way that Dave's going to survive this. We need to get another guy over there to help him. You know, I mean, we need to do this, we need to do that, and deal with the truth. Rather than feed me full of baloney that basically is saying, you know, you can do this on your own. Now, belief systems can be most dangerous because it, they can they can be based on uh, quotations and, and guys who are real fluent with words and guys that we want to follow or ladies or, or concepts that aren't right. They can be really, really dangerous, and we need to identify that. Well, not only that, but then down the road, after you start picking up on this terminology and this belief system, you get to a point where you're just doing it back, and you're like, man, where did I even get that from? Right. You know, and that's why it's so key to always hold on to that truth and always go back to the truth. You can always adapt it and change it. You know, I mean, yeah. look at, look at, you know, back in the Garden of Eden and Eve was recollecting what happened. She took Satan's words right. and said, well, if I even touched it, I'm going to die. Right. Well, God never said that. Right. Right. You know, God said, don't eat of it. Right. You know, and, and it kind of, it changed, you know, her belief system changed and it caused her, Absolutely. you know, to sin. And I think that happens a lot in our lives too. Yeah. And sometimes we want what is true, even what's in the Bible to reflect something that's positive in my life. And there's a lot of what I would call positive religious views today or positive spirituality. And that may not always be the right answer in, in our life. And we're gonna, I want to unpack this a little bit with you guys to kind of hear your thoughts on that because truth doesn't always mean that it's going to be feely good kinds of things in life. Sometimes truth does involve what I feel or what I think about suffering and how I'm supposed to respond in situations that I don't like, that are painful. And this, I, again, when we talk about the definitions, we talk about bringing clarity, what we mean by religion or what we mean by truth is that it brings us further clarity and eventually it's going to lead to peace in our life. And I want you to feel peace and joy in this new year so that you can not only experience that in your own life, but you can give that to somebody else. So I want to continue this conversation with you guys here on Hobbit Radio. Join us in the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue here on Hobbit Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio. And when I'm not doing radio, one of my favorite things to do is teach at the Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to check out this one-year Bible and service program at nicolaybibleinstitute.org. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Also, while you're there, lots of events coming up here in this month and in the coming months. Check out HopeNet360.com, the events calendar there, and be a part of some of these things going on here in Northeast Wisconsin and maybe even in your neck of the woods. So, Jeff, DW with you tonight on the show. Jason's with us in studio as well, having a great conversation about this first pillar of society and our new generation that's coming in. We've got the millennial generation right now that's the largest workforce, but we've got an up-and-coming new generation now that we're starting to see some new studies come out on, this centennial 
as it were, centennial generation and some of their thinking, some of their lines of belief. And guys, these are our next leaders. These are our next presidents, CEOs, business people, pastors, church leaders, teachers, and, and all that. This new generation, it's, it's important. Like every past generation has said, even about the upcoming generation is we still have to train them up. We still have to help them understand how things have been. We have to help them understand some of the basic essentials of how life works. And one of the things about the newest generation that's coming in is they're interested in being a builder kind of a generation now, where they're looking at society, looking at how they exist, but they're also looking at how the world works and saying, is the way we do it right now, is it really working? And not to necessarily tear it down, but to really build up in, the, in some ways, like we're talking about, reframe society, reframe some things in a way that they think is going to be more productive. And I think it's important in this show that we're going to talk about, you know, the religious views. And I kind of closed out with the, the, the thought of this new modern spirituality movement. Now I've seen this a lot. I've seen it because I think we're in a, in a time now where young people are really questioning even religious institutions. I know my generation went through that. We've kind of questioned some of the theology that maybe we've carried for a number of years and said, you know, this maybe could be a little bit different than we've thought for a while. And I think it's one of those things that Satan is going to come in, or the enemy of this world is going to come in and try to thwart and try to disrupt and question and cause doubt. And doubt isn't necessarily bad, but it's kind of, it's what we do with it. And if we're going to build a new belief system on something that really isn't grounded in truth, man, we're going to head down some scary paths in our life. And I'm seeing this more and more from people even my own age. We want to believe positive spirituality. We want to believe that this world is actually a really good place and that people are actually really good people and that we can all believe different things and in a way coexist. And, you know, I've seen some of these different trends come in. I don't know if this is new, Dave. Has this been happening for years? You know what? It has. Go, go to the book of um, Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, even back then, people were thinking, this is all new, this is all different. And, and God says, no, there isn't. There's nothing really new. And really, there isn't anything really new. I mean, you, and you can sit there and say, oh, yeah, what about the Internet, that kind of thing? Yeah. Again, there's, there's a problem sometimes in language in that we're talking principles and methods, and they're different. You know, there's a method to do things. And, and we'll invent new methods all the time, you know, to do different things. Throw a ball, whatever. We're going to learn more. We're going to learn a new method. But you're still going to throw the ball. See, that's the principle. You're going to take it out of your hand. It's going to throw towards the plate if you're a baseball player. That's the principle. And you might learn something new along the way uh, for doing it. So the newness isn't in the principle. And what we want to do is come up with new principles. Um, it's, it's interesting for me to listen to some young Bible teachers because it seems like they want to come up with new principles. And I'm thinking there aren't any. You know, everything is based on truth, and it starts with God, and and God wants a relationship with man. This relationship is love. Love demands choices. See, these are the principles that I'm talking about. Now, now how that works out through time is going to be different. There's a group called the Jewish people. There's a, you know, Jesus came and died. There's a church today. I mean, how, how it's going to work out is going to be different, but the principles have not changed, and that's why God says, you know, that he doesn't change. He's the same today, forever. You know, the whole works. And, and, uh, and we have to understand what the differences are. Cause so, what happens sometimes is we start getting lost in the new. Like, oh man, this is brand new. They've never even, well, how about understanding what doesn't change first? And then going and applying some of the new stuff. Nobody listening today, probably including myself, remembers and radio just came out. But at one point, believe it or not, radio was a brand new technology. 
and it came out and, and people embraced it and believers embraced it. How do we use this for what? How do we use this to apply the basics? Not, not how do we use this just to have it as this, you know, I mean, and, and, and if we mess up on that, we, we begin thinking that radio's it or television's it or whatever, and people pour their lives into something, but they forget the principle. Yeah, and I think, you know, even seeing a lot in my generation, um, and even the young people nowadays, a lot of times what they do is they, they observe life around them and the things that happen, and they formulate an opinion. And rather than letting truth influence what their opinion is, they allow opinion to be that truth. Right. And that's, that's the problem, I think, that as a culture we, we're falling into all the more is that, all right, if I believe this, that means it's true. And we kind of talked about that earlier, but there's, there's no correlation there. We need to go back to the truth and allow that to formulate our opinions right. you know, or, or allow the different situations that are happening nowadays to be filtered through that truth so that we can formulate our opinions and, and live out our life. So, so how would you answer me in this, Jason? Uh, whose truth? Whose truth should I formulate? I would say this scripture. Okay. In other words, there is truth. There is truth, yeah. and you can know the truth. Yeah. And in fact, we can prove it. I'm, what color shirt am I wearing, Jason? Gray. Yeah. Okay. How many colors isn't it? A lot. Yeah. There we go. He's so narrow-minded. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, matter is it, it, it has a color. There's a name for it. Right. And, and that's really truth. And that's what we're talking about. There are some things that are established. That's called truth, whatever they are. Things that are not established. It's not truth then at this point. It's it's just something out there. But but truth is established, and that's why the beginning of the Bible can say definitively, "In the beginning, God." Yeah. Well, that's a truth. That's will it ever change? In the beginning, God. Nope. No. Can't do that. So so now what we have to do is we have to respond to truth. What have we done as a culture? Well, my generation led the charge in saying, "In the beginning, cosmic explosion." I'm taking a truth and I'm changing it. And and what happens when you change the truth? It be, it's a ripple effect right down the road, and everything else changes. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering where we're at today. How about going back to the, the you know the basics and grabbing the truth and trying to live by that? So I've seen that a lot, and I think the the distinct difference in a lot of ways. Sometimes we equate truth and even this concept of good and bad is that what is good is what makes me feel good. In in other words, it's pleasure. And what's bad is pain. And so we're motivated in a way that's almost animal, in a way that we, we try to avoid pain, and we try to, to build our life around this idea of pleasure. What pleases me? What makes me feel good? What makes other people feel good? Sometimes we get to that point. Other times we just think of ourselves, and that's all we ever get to. But it kind of filters into our personal beliefs that I believe something that makes me feel good versus Christianity and what Jesus taught was this whole idea of embracing suffering. Now, this is a much bigger discussion to have, but when we look at the way that Jesus lived his life, what he taught, and even how he ended his life here on earth, it wasn't in pleasure. He didn't live a a full life, you know, get to the the human limit of years at about 120 years old. He didn't make it even past his 40th birthday. So we look at life in, in so many different ways from a Christian lens because we're not about pleasure, although there are things in life that we do feel good. But oftentimes what makes us feel good, what makes us feel satisfied in our efforts and in who we are is because we've actually been through difficult times in our life. And guys, we're going to take a break here on the show. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. Join us on Twitter right now. Use the hashtag HNRTB. It's a big conversation, and we're going to try to bring some closure to it when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Dave, it's been great having this discussion really about reframing not only myself, but even my own personal beliefs. Because I think as we're looking on to future shows here, we're going to talk about some other parts of society. We want to look, eventually we're going to look at the family. We're going to look at the business side of things, government. Uh, those are four things. Probably look at education, how we view that, because I think today's generation, in some ways, education is changing. What they do after high school, what they do after they graduate from that. I, I think these are all big questions that we're looking at in life. And this next generation, Dave, it, I look at it and I think, I don't see a whole lot of differences. I mean, even with me, I think people maybe looked at my generation differently as a millennial. Jason, I'm not sure if you feel that same way, but in some ways I shared some of the same views. I just had a conversation with my dad just recently and we were talking about some things and, and in a way, some generational ways that we're looking at things a little bit differently. And I realized even more as I sit down and I talk with my dad that I don't know that I necessarily disagree a whole lot. I think I find more things that I actually agree with them on, even though I wanted to be an independent thinker at some point in my life and think, well, I knew better than my parents did on a certain issue or a certain topic. Even religion, even our faith, I think sometimes we get thinking that, well, you know, my parents did that or my grandparents did that. And I want to be different. You know, I want to, I want to do something that branches out and, and, uh, you know, I want to take more risks with my life and, and that. So, you know, religion seems to hold me back. It seems to, you know, be a, something that I just do. You know, I just go to church and, and, and do that. And I, it's just not real for me. So, you know, there's this whole questioning and the, the struggle with faith and religion, but, in and of itself, Dave, we all have personal beliefs. We all have a belief system. So how important should this be in our life today? Yeah. You know, it's it's nothing new. My generation was the generation that invented the generation gap theory. You know, I mean, we, we were the hippies and then the yippies and everything else that came along and, and, the, and the people of the 60s. And uh, so I don't think that's ever changed. I, I think there's always um, there's older people and younger people. And what's interesting is if you want a perspective on life, and I've said it kind of jokingly that it seems like experience has been wasted on the elderly. You know, I mean, they they have all this experience now, but they don't have the energy that they used to have to actually apply it in, in certain places. Hmm. If you're wise, um, what you would do is you, you'd find somebody whose life has proven that they have the fruit of walking with God. They enjoy life. They enjoy their marriage. They enjoy their family. They're people who are at peace with the world and they live at peace. And, and I would go and spend some time with them and, and understand what they be, have understood in life because they're where you want to be when you're their age. And, and there's some experience there because honestly, we've talked about it in the last couple of programs. There are things that are never going to change. The most important things in life aren't going to change. You know, we are going to be people who are still going to need a relationship with Almighty God. And, and we're going to have relationships on this earth with family members and outsiders. That's not going to change. And there's lessons that have, we've learned along the way. And to just formulate a group of people that say, well, we're going to do it our own way. In fact, that, that's where a lot of the problems really have come from. In, the, in, in uh, After World War II, which is, I know, a big history lesson, the, the world seemed to get together and say, we're going to we never have that war again. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to be successful. And parents start to pour themselves into the job force. And instead of really parents raising their children, the schools started to raise their children. The churches started to raise their children. And really the children started to raise their children. 
And we're, my generation's a byproduct of that. And then we became less and less connected to some of the formalities of life. And now in uh, the generation, the centennial generation, it's like totally disconnected from what was going on many years ago and how we did things. And maybe we need to relook at uh, what relationships are about because it's still what's important, uh, what makes a relationship good, what, what ruins relationships. And, and we need to sit with some people who have thought through these things and say, how can we as a, a, a new generation uh, actually, what can we learn from the mistakes you've made and from the uh, successes you've had so that we can kind of jumpstart where we're at? I mean, you said earlier, Jeff, something that sparked me. It's like sometimes you can look at a problem that's going on and just ignore it. It just keeps going on. And I, and I think my generation failed in some very huge areas. Hmm. You know, I, I think we failed in, uh, in never solving this nation's debt problem. And, uh, and I'm sorry for that. We, we, we just failed there. I think we failed in politics because we, you know, my generation pretty much believes that, you know, politicians aren't going to fix anything. And we just shrug our shoulders and say, okay, they aren't going to fix anything. So let's just keep voting for them. And, and I think, you know, it, that experience is, it would go to a younger generation saying, let's, let's do something different. I mean, because we haven't been able to solve this because we've kind of become complacent on it. And, uh, maybe we need a generation that won't just sit there and take things the way they are. So uh, I think we're going to have to talk more about this, and I invite our listeners to uh, continue to get our podcast and tune in with us in the weeks to come because I think uh, we've just started a discussion that needs to keep going. Yeah, and as, as we, uh, the thing I love about this reframing series is that it really makes you think about the things that you talk about that you take for granted so much and just the way that you talk about them. You know, we mentioned some in, in the show today, whether it's, you know, relationships or or um, religion, or, or different things like that. But I would, I would challenge you, you know, as as we jump into different to- topics in the in the weeks to come, just think about how you are using words in your everyday life, whether it's to talk about things or defend things or to uh, formulate your opinions about things, and really go to the core of what you're trying to mean. Because I feel like we oftentimes throw things out there without necessarily knowing what we're talking about. Um, and I think the more that we can bring that back to the truth and filter it through the truth, the more that we can have an impact not only around us, but an impact on this world. And I think it would change it for the better. And we'd be able to stand up and show people who Jesus is if we were to do that. And that's the, that's the cool thing about this series that I'm excited about. Yeah, you know, I think we spend more time trying to convince people to agree with us than understand what the truth really is. Right. And, right. and that causes problems. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope you know that you don't have to agree with everything that we say on this show. The idea behind HopeNet Radio is that we actually just start a conversation and talk about it. And guys, I, I really appreciated the, especially the insights you have. The one thing about reframing, if I'm going to reframe a house or I'm going to reframe a room is that I'm living with a plan. I have an end in mind. Eventually that project is going to be done, but what's the point of reframing something? It's that it's better than it was before. And I think when we live with right definitions, we live with right clarity. We actually bring understanding to a certain topic or a certain issue then we can actually build upon that, and eventually it's going to bring us to peace. Where we get hopelessness, where we get confusion, where we get you know ambiguousness in life is that we just decide to let things define themselves, and that we don't actually put a definition on them because we don't really want to. We don't want to be too restrictive. You know, there's kind of that trend today that that that's what 
you know, stereotypes do or certain classifications do. But in reality, we just want to define things a little bit more clearly, not to put people in a box, but to put ideas and concepts in, in things that are supposed to work, that you're supposed to be able to build your life on in a way where we structure those things in our life and say, okay, this is, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what I'm supposed to do. Because I think every single one of us, none of us want to get to that point when we get to be of age where we're looking at the end of our life and just look and just say, I'm so sad. I'm so, I'm so broken because I realized that I actually have not lived life. And I think that's what we're trying to get to on this show is that we want to help you guys live life and, and not just with a, a physical entity of life and what that means, but even eternally. And so tonight, maybe that's a new concept for you. Maybe you've never thought about eternity and what happens after this world. I just want to encourage you, take some time tonight and go and chat with one of our live coaches at HopeNet360.com because they can help you to bring some understanding, to bring a right definition of what that really means to have a relationship with God. Why is that important? Chat with a live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. For all of us here on the show, thanks so much for joining us on HopeNet Radio tonight. We hope you get something out of this series. Go and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app at HopeNet360.com. All of our notes are under the show notes section of our website. You can go and find that and the podcast there on our website, HopeNet360.com. For all of us here on the show, thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys online and next week. See you, bye. Later.